Good morning. Our scripture reading today is Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just love you so much. We thank you for bringing us here today. We thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that there is not one person in this room who will ever neglect the great salvation that you offer to us. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray that you would just speak through Grant today. In your name, amen. What were the words of that new song? This is the, it's something about this is my treasure, the peace of Jesus, and my, my joy, my something is to know him and be known by him. Amen. That is a beautiful thing. Thank you for putting those beautiful words in our mouths uh, that we might sing along. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, some I forgot, to, I forgot to tell Susan at announcement time, but you'll notice that in your bulletin, there's a passage from Hebrews, and you'll also notice that that's not what Paula just read, that that's not today's passage. I thought it'd be fun. I can't remember exactly when uh, this will be the passage that, that we'll spend time considering on a Sunday morning. It's like six weeks away or something. How you guys feel about memorizing this together? I don't memorize six weeks, three verses. I believe in us. I think we could do it. Or if you're not, if you can't memorize, what if you just committed to, to considering this twice a day? Reading it twice a day. I don't speak English. Okay, well then, read it in whatever language you want to. Uh, some of you guys need to turn it into binary, just all zeros and ones. Go for it. I don't understand it. If you only read the matrix, that's great. Um, but I thought that might be a fun thing, that as we're going through Hebrews, why don't we pull out some of these great passages and just memorize them together. And maybe even we'll say them uh, in church together at some point. In fact, next week, let's read this aloud together. Not as the scripture reading that goes along with the sermon, but just that we might uh, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, uh, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Like if you meditated on that for six weeks, would that be, would your life be better or worse? I mean, what do you have to lose, right? Okay. Um, so why don't we do that together? Um, Chapter 2 of Hebrews starts out in a way that has me convicted right down to my toes. This, this is so simple. I, I made the comment a minute ago. I almost like it sometimes when the Bible's complicated. You know, when you're like, let's deal with uh, divine violence in the Old Testament. Well, culture and theory and how we got the scriptures and all that. But then sometimes you just open up your scripture and just right here you read Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. 
Like the world's a mess. And there's things going on in your life that are distressing. And we're always in this search for like, how do we make it better? How do we like, you know, fight for our side? Or is that the thing? Or how do we like, like do so much stuff that the world gets better? Or how do we like, how does our family make it? All these things. And maybe it starts with, and maybe it starts and ends with, man, we need to pay much closer attention to the, to the truth that we've heard. Chapter one built a foundation. Just thumb, thumb through. The first, the first word that uh, Paula read to us from chapter two is therefore. Every time you see the word therefore, it's code for like upload everything you just read. Like you can't understand chapter two without chapter one. So thumb back through if you have your copy of the scriptures open. Um, chapter one is all about the supremacy of Jesus over and above the Old Testament uh, covenant. So it is about how Jesus in his sonship is the creator and inheritor of all things. How Jesus is the beginning and the end of all things. How Jesus must be the thing in our windscreen, in our field of vision, that it would be Christ in Christ alone that we worship, that would it be Christ in Christ alone that we follow, that we would not... Uh, like have Christ divided and follow this group or that group, but that we would be people who are completely defined by the sonship, the greatness, the divinity and humanity of Jesus of Nazareth. We worship Jesus as a church. Man, I hope we make a difference in the world. I hope Seaside's healthier because of us. You know, I, I, I would love it if God would raise up people among us who have ideas about how we can solve social problems and how the poor might be comforted and how the sick might be raised up and how but that's that's those are all byproducts of a functioning church but what we do here is we worship Jesus that's what we do we gather to look at the sonship the greatness of Jesus and then verse 2 or I'm sorry, chapter two says, therefore, since all that, because of the greatness of Jesus and his centrality in our lives, we must pay closer attention. I think one of the big ideas of the morning is that there is deep theology in Hebrews. I mean, you can really Bible nerd out in Hebrews and you can track almost every passage in Hebrews. You can track to other places in the New Testament and several places in the Old Testament. I mean, this has deep, deep roots. And the more we discuss the deep theology and the deep Jewish context of Hebrews, the more, the richer it will be. But look, don't get lost in the depth this is not complicated, not hard to understand, and it's for us. The Bible was not written to us, but this was written for us. The world needs deeper Christians. I think the, the sentiment on the Christian version of like Twitter is that the, the world needs more educated Christians Hey, be a Bible scholar. You should be. Like, let's, what, do you, what else are you doing with your life? Um, but, uh, and that the world needs like more militant Christians. I, don't, I mean, as militant as Jesus, I suppose. Um, that the world needs more active in the, in the world kind of social structures Christians. 
If you feel a call to any of that, I suppose that's all fine. But what the world really needs out of us is depth. People who have an actual deep relationship with Christ that's not just head knowledge, that's not just action, but that all of that stems from a depth of understanding, a depth of relationship with Jesus. A just society, a a society that has peace, a moral culture. These things are the byproduct of selfless Christians who have a deep relationship with Jesus, who live that out in the public sphere. And this idea, of course, is all over the New Testament. We're told several places that Christ is our foundation. We shouldn't be founded in anything but Christ, that we need to be rooted and grounded in in the love of Jesus, that we need to be anchored in Him. These ideas are all over because the, the storms that cause us to get knocked off our rocker a little bit that will distract us that that cause you know both apathy and and whatever they're coming from everywhere there's there's this temptation we're going to talk about drifting today there's this temptation that to drift that comes from external sources you know there's there's the boss griping at you and there's the the difficulties at work and in family and there's all kinds of external things that are demanding our attention and there's also internal things you know I think one of the biggest problems that the world has is just a lack of understanding that people are sinful where's the sin come from those people those people you got a mirror Solzhenitsyn said their line between good and evil goes down the middle of every human heart that's right um, so I don't even need external sources. I don't need external temptation to be distracted from Christ. I can do it all by myself. I can get whiny and, and I can get complainy and I can be filled with, you know, greed or lust or, 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 uh, you know, any other vice that you think. I don't need any help. Neither do you. It comes from external sources. Drifting comes from internal sources. It just comes from apathy. One of the most destructive things that happens in the life of a Christian is just a lack of paying attention. Just you're paying attention to other things. You keep up with your hobbies. You keep up with your favorite sports team. I promise if you 2 is playing a show somewhere, I know it. I've got the set list. I know, I know what they played. I'm keeping up. I'm paying attention. But we lack attention to what we've heard. You know what that's like. Our lives are filled with enough comfort to not really have a daily yearning. Like we're, we're not, we don't spend a whole lot of time in those places of like, like, so much stress there are valleys where we feel this and probably at that time you looked up and cried out but you kind of climb out of the pit and go life is comfortable enough that that I'm not feeling that daily pain that that makes me focus on Christ and and also there's enough trouble so there's enough comfort and there's also enough trouble to distract us from the things that most need our attention not only are we 
you know, spend most of our time not having the worst day of our life, but we also spend most of our time, you, you know what it's like to be sitting under a redwood tree on vacation and all the, you know, the phone's off and all the emails are going to wait till next week and you just go, wow, I'm so aware of the presence of God as I look at the ocean, sit under the redwood tree. But then mostly you get back to regular life and there's just distractions. There's just oh, so many things picking at you. You've felt drift in relationships before, even human relationships. And drift is such a great word. Drift, I think I have a definition for you up here. Phil, is that the next? I don't have my clicker thing with me, Phil. To be carried away slowly as by a current of air or water. Just be carried away slowly. This passage is not about like active rebellion. This passage is not about a violent decision to turn away from Jesus. This passage is just about the slow drift being carried away as if by water or air. As a kid playing in the ocean at Huntington Beach, you know, you get your boogie board and you uh, get on the city bus at, uh, uh, by Chapman um, there on Brookhurst and it's six miles on the, on the uh, Orange County Rapid Transit. So six miles takes you about two hours. And, and then you get off with your, with your buddies, and you go out, and uh, there's lifeguard stations. I don't know how far they are, every several hundred yards, and they're numbered. And um, you go out, and you're just swimming, and you're floating, and you're on your boogie board, or you're just bobbing up and down, and you're having a great time. And then you will look up and you will realize that you are maybe 10 lifeguard stations away from where you started. You never felt it. You never thought, whoa, this current. There's no signs up that say riptide. It's just drift. When you're small and at the beach with your parents, I mean, you know, mom would say like, see lifeguard station 10. You don't see 10, you look, and then, you know, you're kind of dumb as a kid, and so you like look up and mom's going, hey, hey, hi, how are you? And again, you realize that unbeknownst to you, you weren't even out that far. You don't even have to be floating. You could be touching the ground, and just as you jump up and down, as you bob, just little one drift at a time, and you will end up someplace that you never intended to be. And this is the idea in our minds that he, the author of Hebrews wants us to have as we think about our relationship with the Lord. I know you're not violently, you showed up to church on Sunday, you nerds, like what are you doing? Like what a great, amazing touchstone. As you're bobbing up and down in life, you're touching down at church. Great job, but man, the rest of life, you can drift and end up someplace that you never intended. If you've ever been, you know what drifting is, I won't belabor it, but if you've ever been like in a kayak or a boat, and a little boat and forgot to throw down an anchor, maybe as you're fishing, you know full well, you are one nap away from completely lost. It doesn't take much. In fact, what it takes is nothing. What it takes is just a lack of attention. And our life with Jesus can be that way. Sometimes it isn't a running away. It's just drift. Man, this has really hit me hard this week. And, you know, I, I mean, I got a good devotional life. I 
spend time in the scriptures each morning. I journal, I pray, I fast, I give. Yeah, I mean, I live a Christian life. And yet, man, to think, am I paying enough attention to the things that I've heard? So the passage lays out pretty easily. There's an exhortation, and then there's a warning, and then there's an explanation. And the instruction, like I said, is not tough to understand. Verse 1, the first half of verse 1 starts us off and says, Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Pay closer attention. If you have a place in your Bible where you're taking notes, where you're underlining, if you're if you're a note taker, if you've got a phone open and you're currently checking football scores, whatever it is, like pay closer attention. I love the implication of that. It's not a lack of knowledge. I think in our like very scholastic mindedness, we kind of go, I need to know more. I need more information. I'm not a good Christian yet because I, I, you know, haven't reached that level of, I haven't memorized Leviticus or whatever. Like I need more information. And the author of Hebrews would come in and go, I don't know that it's a lack of information. It's a lack of attention. Your knowledge is not the problem. Your attention is what causes drift. I think this is what happens when we see church, when we see regular Bible study, when we see our devotional life merely as intellectual learning. You felt it. Eventually, we kind of go, I know this story. I've heard this before. But a mere knowing is not the whole point. Rather, it is faithfully walking with Christ is what will change our lives. The call to discipleship might simply be put, pay much closer attention to what we've heard. If you think about really being a disciple, I call myself a disciple of Jesus. I'm sure you do the same. When you think about that image of disciple, there was this uh, phrase, there's even a title of a book that's pretty good, um, that that, uh, talks about walking in the dust of our rabbi. Like walking so close to your rabbi that the dust from his feet is making a little cloud that you stay in. Like not that, oh, there goes my rabbi over there, but rather I'm on his tail. I am on his six like nobody's business. I am right by him. It's not just that I I learned his big teachings like the Sermon on the Mount. No, rather it is that I remember how he says please and thank you. I can hear his voice. I know everything about it. I know how he likes his coffee. Like, I know the whole thing. Pay closer attention. This is what discipleship is. You want deeper discipleship, deeper relationship with Jesus? Pay closer attention. Then it says, pay closer attention to what we've heard. Well, what what is it that we've heard? What are we supposed to pay ever closer, uh, closer attention to? The message of Jesus and his teaching is pretty clearly the gospel is what we should pay most attention to. And there's lots there. But just off the top of my head, I want to, you know, if this if we were sitting around a table in a in a you know classroom setting, I would just say, let's brainstorm. Let's not look anything up. What do you already know? Let's not go deep into like, but what did Jesus say about nuclear proliferation? No, we'll, we'll worry about that some other time. Just like What do you know? What did Jesus teach? And you might go, oh, repent and follow me. Okay, write it down. Hey, pay closer attention to that. Don't just say you know it. 
where in your life does, is repentance needed? Where in your life do you need to follow more closely? Uh, love God and love other people? Hey, pay closer attention to that. Like, don't let that be something you just know in your head. Daily, all the time. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love other people? Seek first the kingdom of heaven springs to my mind just as I'm brainstorming. Don't be anxious about what I'll wear or what I'll eat. Forgive in unlimited amounts. Seven times? No, no, no. 70 times seven. 490 times? No, you're still missing the point. There's a difference between learning something for a test and meditating. Pay closer attention. We don't need a church filled with shallow Christians. Are you with me? What the world needs, what Seaside needs. Are you praying for Seaside all the time? I love Seaside so much, and I'm praying for God's glory in Seaside all the time in the normative way that God would be glorified in our town is that we would be deep that we would be paying close attention to the teachings of Jesus. Take care of the least of these. Pay closer attention. We could brainstorm, I'm sure, many more. As I just say, what are the teachings of Jesus? There's probably things that spring to your mind. It's not a knowledge problem. That's another sermon. We need to be deep in knowledge. But deep in knowledge without attention is useless. Knowledge builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. But when we drift, but we drift uh, when we don't pay close attention to stuff. I, you know, I thought maybe, again, this, this almost works better in a classroom setting, but, but we might think for a minute, okay, well, how would I pay closer attention? Is it like driving faster in a movie? Because let me tell you, if you're in a movie and you're losing a race, how you make your car go faster is to concentrate and grip the steering wheel more, right? You've seen it like, oh, the bad guy's coming, and then you go, mm. and then your car goes faster. And we have that same kind of idea sometimes when it comes to discipleship. I just need to like, mm. that's not gonna last very long. It's probably not gonna be that effective. There are well-worn paths to paying attention to Christ that the church has walked in for 2,000 years. I try to find a way to use the word, the spiritual disciplines regularly in preaching because I don't, I don't know a better way to pay more attention to Jesus. And some of them feel kind of weird in our culture. There's spiritual disciplines of action and there's spiritual disciplines of denial. And I might even challenge you this week. Would you start a practice? Something that takes your time. Oh, I'm so busy. Right, but pay more and close attention to Jesus. Would you start something? And then maybe, would you stop something? Would you deny yourself in some meaningful way? Um, so action, there are things like prayer and learning to pray 
meditatively, devotionally, like not devote. We've, we've turned devotion into a word that means uh, doesn't take very long. I'm going to have my morning devotions means I spent five minutes. If I'm a boy, the book had an ax and a tree on the cover. If I'm a girl, it had flowers on the cover. Didn't take very long. Didn't ask very much of me. I went, mm, and that was it. Um, is that what the word devotion <laughs> means? If you look at the one, the human to whom you are most devoted, and you were like, I'll spend a flowery or a redwood-filled three minutes with you a day. That wouldn't do it. No devotion. Like, pray devotionally, like, for a long time. Learn to pray. Celebration. Sing. We're a singing people. Learn to sing. Sing at home. I don't have a good voice. I don't love music. Well, I kind of feel like the awe of Christ is going to get you over that. Study. Pick a book and become an expert. Just pick one book. You be the expert on Philippians. You be the expert on, on 2 Thessalonians. Nobody has any idea what's in that book at all. You be the expert. Learn to meditate. Learn to sit still. Actions that would help you pay closer attention to Jesus. Or maybe, maybe this week you would participate in self-denial. And this is where I go from preaching to meddling. I know. You should have less is never going to be popular. Simplicity. Christian simplicity. The idea that maybe 400 channels is enough. The idea that you don't need anything else. You're not one purchase away from happy. Maybe there's enough shirts hanging in your closet. A Christian idea of solitude. Can I tell you something that Richard Foster changed my life with? Solitude is not being alone. Solitude is being alone with Christ. Pay closer attention. Get by yourself. If you have three kids, it might literally be in a closet. <laughs> I would encourage you not to drug your children in order, because the pastor said you needed time alone. Seasons are tough. <laughs> hey, why don't you give? Why don't you take some of the money you earn? Why don't you take 10% of the money you earn? and give it. Oh, that would hurt. Yeah, it does. Once you start, not because the church needs it. I'm fine. This shirt is great. <laughs> but because you need it. Giving and fasting are the two things that I always encourage anytime somebody wants to get closer to Jesus for these two reasons. Would you like to think about God more? Don't eat and give up some of your money. You'll think about God. Why don't you pick up some spiritual disciplines? Why? Because Christians have to. Because the Bible commands fasting and prayer. Because the Bible commands giving. No, because we need deep Christians and you need to think about Jesus more. serve find some place to serve 
These are always the ways that people have paid much closer attention to Jesus. These are always the way, ways that people pay more attention in relationships in general. If you want to express love to someone, if you want to know somebody more deeply, it's going to require adding some practices, adding date night, adding, you know, football Monday nights, or what, I don't know, whatever it's going to be. Me and the boys get together for the same function. Yeah, that's, you're going to have to add some stuff to your life if you're going to want depth of relationship with people. You're also going to have to give up some stuff. You're going to have to deny yourself for the betterment of your friend or of your spouse. These are just the ways that people pay more closer attention. And man, we need just depth. We just need people who are willing to sacrifice so that they might experience the joy of their salvation. So that's the exhortation. Pay closer attention. And then the warning is short. We've already talked about it. It's short and brutally honest. Lest you drift away from it. I, I don't care where you went to school and I don't care who your parents were and I don't care what your degree's in and I don't care what if you speak ancient languages. If you don't pay attention to Jesus, you'll drift. It's, and let's not just, you know, all of us go, hmm, that's a good point. We've got it. Let's not be apathetic. 1 Corinthians says, be infants in evil, but in our thinking, be mature. Be infants in evil. Be naive about sin. Be the one who goes, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm out of that game, man. I don't know. But rather in our thinking, let's be mature. Let's not think about how drift applies to other people. That's what, that, quite frankly, that's the most common thing in my mind. Like I hear, oh man, if you don't pay attention to Jesus, you'll drift. And I think about other people who've walked away from the Lord and I go, yep, I've seen it myself. Look, I've seen it myself in myself. And I'm the only one I have to worry about. I'm your pastor. I worry about you like crazy. But, um, but I'm gonna stand before God, just me. Let's not think about how this might apply to other people. Rather, let us push on in depth of relationship with God that we might drift, lest we wander away, lest we end up someplace that we didn't intend to be. You know, I've told this story before, but I was coaching my daughter, and I was the first base coach, and I think she was um, about eight. So high stakes, you know what I mean? Um, everybody's getting scholarships today. Um, little eight-year-old, they're all cute. You know, the girls don't care. Are we going to Chick-fil-A after? That's all they care, right? Like, is there, is there, are there snacks? Like, it's not. But I cared deeply. And I yelled at the umpire, and now I am an umpire. And I'm sorry, but he was terrible. Um, and I yelled at the umpire, and he, in front of the crowd, and my girls and the girls on the other team scolded me and said something like, one more word and you're out of here, coach, or something like that. And I remember God's conviction going, look, he's terrible at his job, but I'm a terrible representative of Christ. 
and I remember feeling that I had drifted. That was out of character for me. I'm actually a pretty laid-back guy. I think other people making mistakes is hilarious. <laughs> but I remember that moment being so, so powerful. I still, obviously, I still think about it a lot. I had not made a decision to be a stereotypical little league coach yelling at the bad umpire. <laughs> this eight-year-old's better than that eight-year-old. What am I doing? It was not my intent, but I had been paying attention to things that weren't Christ, and it had changed my character. On your wedding day, drift seems impossible. Oh, you're all I need. I'm lost in your eyes. How could I ever drift and feel distant? The day of your salvation feels the same. Oh God, I finally found salvation in you. But in both those relationships, if you don't pay enough attention, you'll drift. There'll be times, lots of times actually, in Hebrews where we are taken aback a little bit by the language and we start to think, well, what about the security of the believer? How can a Christian drift? And it's actually more profound later on and so I'll deal with it a little more as we go in Hebrews than I do today. Um, it, but every time we'll deal with it in, from this pulpit in the same way, the answer is to lean into Jesus. You don't want to drift? Lean into Jesus. I'll even take it further. Right now, make a decision. If Jesus is not the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus is not the way to peace, if there's a way to the Father that is not Jesus, you are free to abandon him now. Nobody's making you follow him. But if Jesus is the one who offers eternal, abundant life. If he paid for our sins on the cross, if God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, then let's pay closer attention. Or we'll be in danger of drifting. Then the explanation comes, and I know I've only been through one verse, but the rest of it, flows pretty naturally. As the author explains his point, he wants to make one thing very clear, that, that drifting comes with dire consequences. It's not just like, mm, I don't feel close to the Lord like I used to. No, it's worse than that. There are lots of details here, but the warning and its reasoning are very clear. See, we might be tempted to think that drifting from Jesus would not be that big of a deal. This is what Dallas Willard calls being frozen by grace. We kind of go, well, life has seasons. Sometimes I feel close and sometimes I don't. And that's true. There is a truth there. We go through phases. Maybe there were times when you felt closer. That was great, but let's not be weird about this. But guys, Hebrews leaves, leaves no room for that kind of thinking. We love to talk about grace. God's mercies are new every morning. Praise the Lord. That's true. If you've messed up, you have a brand new start today. That's great. In Christ, there is unlimited forgiveness. You have not done anything that is unforgivable. If you are open to, a, to receiving Jesus' forgiveness, he is open to give it to you. But that should motivate us to pay more attention, not to be lazy. And too many times we 
presume upon the grace of God because we know that God is always forgiving, we make light of our sin. We make light of our call to pay attention to him. Because if we ignore Jesus, he'll still be there. The explanation goes like this, verse two. For since the message was declared by angels, proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Okay, this is referencing the old covenant. We spent a lot of time last week, especially on Wednesday night, talking about how angels were connected to the Old Testament in the mind of the, the, the first readers of Hebrews. And so the author is saying, look, there were consequences when Israel walked away, right? In fact, all of these covenants of the Old Testament were conditional. If you will have no other gods before me, then you will live long in the land and I'll take care of you and there'll be peace and there won't be wars. But if you turn like the people in the land and you worship other gods and you ignore me, then there will be wars and suffering and exile. There'll be distance. And at first, I, I, I don't have time for the full discussion on this, but that sounds at first like all the other gods, right? Like, well, so if we don't worship God, he won't help us. So like, he's just up there like, well, I'm gonna see if Grant prays today before he decides if he helps me. Is that what's going on here? No, the Yahweh, the God of Israel always started the conversation. It was never like, well, we'll think about it if your sacrifice is enough. No, it was always, I'm the God who rescued you. When you couldn't do anything, I saved you. I brought you here. I rescued you. I grew you up. Now, will you please love me back? And the same offer is there for us. It's not that you're earning Christ's salvation. It's that he died for you. Pay attention. I am the God who chose you who redeemed you, who brought you out of slavery. So don't worship other gods. There were blessings in the Old Testament covenants. You remember, there's blessings of land and of care and of protection, of peace, and mostly of the presence of God himself. And there were also curses in the Old Covenant. There will be war. There will be exile. There will be invasion. And we should not think about it like God was, you know, moody and mad that he wasn't getting enough attention so he sent foreign armies rather it was god saying if you want to play by the rules of the jungle then here's what it is this is what happens and over and over the people drifted and there were consequences this is as the author of hebrews says it, the old testament the, the retribution promised was reliable it actually happened God had made the law with both blessings and curses, blessings and consequences, super clear, and they were proven reliable. So verse three, the first part of verse three goes on to say, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So this is an argument from lesser to greater. Guys, we've been talking about how superior Christ is um, to the Old Testament covenant, how superior this salvation is to what was going on in the Old Testament. And you think that we're, 
that we don't have to pay attention to that? If Israel did not escape consequences, are we going to just ignore God become man who sacrificed himself on the cross, conquered death, rose in three days? Are we just going to ignore him every day in our life and there's not going to be consequences? And again, we shouldn't think of it like God's being moody and going, well, they didn't pray enough, so I'm not going to give them a promotion. No, it is. If you want to worship God and be in continual relationship with that, there are blessings there. And if you want to wander away, there's distance. There just is. Jesus did not save you to not have a relationship with you. Was that a proper use of a double negative? Jesus saved you so he could have a relationship with you. And I don't know if you ever had a friend who only wanted to be your friend when things were going their way or they were getting what they wanted. But that's a terrible friend. Heed the warning. Pay much closer attention to Jesus. And we're going to have to do this, and it's going to be tempting for me all through Hebrews, because I love getting into the minutiae. You know that's true. Um, it's it's going to be tempting to go, well, what exactly do those consequences look like for us? And what exactly theologically do we mean by distance and all of that? Okay, fine. We can get into it. But would you just heed the warning? Would you just pay more attention to Jesus? Just taste and see if the Lord is good. Verse 3 continues, it was declared first by the Lord, Jesus, and it was attested to by those who heard while God also bear witness by signs and wonders and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So just in case the reader, the original reader or me and you, just in case the reader might think, well, this is just one author's opinion. Elsewhere, it describes salvation maybe a little bit differently. I don't know if Jesus cares so much about my behavior or my attention. After all, he's the all-knowing one. The author goes, guys... Let me just shut you up before you start talking. Jesus said it. We still have the people who heard Jesus say it. Not only that, but God attested to this gospel with miracles. Guys, you know, hot-headed Peter, he walked on water. Deaf people could hear. Blind people could see. Have you met Lazarus recently? The dead were raised. God attested to this gospel, to, this, to the veracity of Jesus and his teachings. This is what Jesus said. This is what people heard him say. And then he even, the, the author, at the very last line says, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will, distributed according to his will. Guys, the fact that God is still moving in our midst, this is proof of the gospel. So let me leave you with just these four encouragements, and it'll take me six minutes. First of all, would you take stock like, would you just spend some time going, am I giving enough attention to Jesus? Not in a false, you know, self-demeaning way, but sit down, look at your schedule. 
Approach this like you would any other relationship. Is Jesus getting the attention to, to where you're, you're paying enough attention to the way it's changing your life, to the point where it's changing your life? Take stock. And then, would you just confess where you need to and trust Jesus' mercy? I, I think that starting spiritual disciplines um, is a great thing, but unless there's a time, you, you know what it's like when... Uh, if you're married, you know what it's like where there's like disagreement and one of the one of the people just goes, you know what, fine, we'll just I'll just do it your way or whatever it is, right? And you go, no, 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 no. There needs to be this time of confession. If you've been screwing up, you need to look at the person and go, hey, I was wrong. We'll change how we're doing it. Have a time of confession. If you haven't been paying enough attention to Jesus, then say, say so. And I'll tell you why confession is so important. And this is the truth. Confession is not very important so you feel bad. Confession is very important so you'll feel good. Like for the words to come out of your mouth, God, I've been paying attention to this and that and that, and I haven't been paying enough attention to you. And to experience the refreshment of confession, if you want to go one step further, find a believing friend and tell them. Man, spend some time taking stock. Is your time, is your schedule, are you paying enough attention to Jesus? And then I would encourage you, start something and give something up this week. Like, pick a spiritual discipline. And if you are unfamiliar, find one of us. There's lots of us in the room that are participating in spiritual disciplines all the time. You know, something I've found in my life, too, is spiritual disciplines can become tradition and ritual as well. Sometimes it's good to drop one of your spiritual disciplines and pick up another one just so your attention's on Jesus, not on the discipline. Why don't you fast? Why don't you fast one meal? Why don't you fast a day? See if you die. <laughs> what do you have to lose? If you die, live as Christ dies gain, right? If you die, you can tell Jesus I'm an idiot. That next meal is going to taste so good. Why don't you give? I'm not giving. The pastor said to give. Don't give here. I don't care. Give someplace else. There's needy people all over. But don't make it something about your generosity. Like your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Just have less in some way so you can pay attention to Jesus a little bit more. Learn to pray. Learn to meditate. Memorize something. I'm not good at memorizing. You'll be better if you try. I'm looking at some saints in the congregation who are great memorizers who have told me that the three tricks to memorization are repetition, repetition, and repetition. It's pretty good. Pay attention. We don't need smart Christians. It'd be great. Don't get me wrong. But what we need is deep Christians. Pay closer attention. Heavenly Father, thanks for, uh, thanks for the word. Thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for, um, Lord, paying attention to you is never fruitless. Lord, it's so good to have a good and loving God to pay attention to. Lord, as we sing now, as we leave this place here in a minute, God, we ask, 
that you would grab a hold of our attention, Lord, as our will aligns with that. We know that our will is not enough. We don't have energy. We're too scattered, Lord. I don't have it in me to just make a decision and then stay true to it forever, Lord. We're going to need you to be the power behind that. We're going to need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us, to draw us. But Lord, as we continue to say yes to you all week, I pray that we would not drift, but that we would be in deep relationship with you. I love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.